Hello everyone, just wanted to come in here and let you know that the audio in the very beginning of this episode is a little strange, but it does clean up in the first few minutes. It is an exceptional interview, absolutely wonderful, filled with so much woo-woo-ness that I do attempt to translate as it goes on. So hang in there and learn so much from this wonderful mentor and mind, Dr. Steve Young. Enjoy. I am floating out to so Steve, why don't we start real strong and tell me about uh, what you're doing or did in Egypt. Wow. We're going right in. I love it. Well, um, just to give people context, uh, 30 years ago when I was 16, I had this vision where I was sort of like astral projected in, into the Great Pyramid. And I saw things phasing in and out. I didn't know what it meant, but I did have a knowing that someday I would take my adult self into the Pyramid with people to do something. So literally last year, January, I was telling someone this story on the bus and the stranger who was sitting to my right said, that's what I do for a living. I was like, what do you mean that's what you do for a living? He's like, oh, I've actually have taken people privately into the Great Pyramid to do ceremonies and things. And I was like, okay, so this is going to be the year. And so flash forward, you know, uh, 10 months later on November 11th at 1.11 a.m., 27 of us were inside the King's Chamber in the Great Pyramid uh, performing a very specific ritual uh, with the intention to send love into the collective consciousness in order to affect all of humanity going forward. And this love would come down and start to build these communities of the future, these deeply connected and, of course, eco-friendly, sustainable uh, communities that will become the catalyst to move humanity forward towards, you know, the golden age or the enlightenment age, all the, all the woo people talk about. So that's what happened. Wow. What did you, were you at all involved in the, I feel like the heavy bureaucracy of being able to get, how did you get inside of a pyramid? Not to mention inside of a King's chamber in the pyramid. Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's interesting. So, from a 3D human logistics perspective, apparently what I found out once we sort of greenlighted the, the mission is that essentially anyone can pay enough money to like go in the pyramid. And in fact, the, the guards or the, the government, um, apparently it's a normal thing because it's like a two hour block and every two hour block on 11-11 after hours was booked. Like we weren't the only group. There were, I think maybe six other groups uh, that also went in. So that's from a, again, 3D human logistics perspective. Um, from a energetic, spiritual, we'll just call it woo perspective, there were absolutely many, many, many obstacles and things that didn't want us to go, that didn't want us to even get in. There were enormous amounts of obstacles. And so that was definitely a, an incredible uh, journey of faith. Like that was like my main takeaway, my, my sort of soul divine lesson was having faith. If, if it weren't for faith, there's no way we would have made it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So 
that's what happened in Egypt. And then you just told me before we got on that there's like several other places and areas that you're going to like, mm -hmm. I just like all of the questions, like why and what and how and yeah, what, what are you, what do you do? Like, what is, what does life look like for someone that's doing all this work like you are? And yeah. have you, what are the noticeable impacts of this type of work? If, if any at all in like the 3d world. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, besides my, you know, my, my typical doings in the world is, um, I run experiences and these experiences range anything from, deep connection experiences to transform your health experiences to combining stem cells with shamanic practices and some psychedelics and some brain peptides to completely restore human anywhere in between. Uh, and besides that, I mean, we're, we're launching the main company, which is Immortal, uh, and super sure it's basically an app and some products that will, uh, give people sovereignty of their mental and physical health. Basically, that's the surface layer. There's a deeper consciousness layer, which I won't fully reveal on this on this talk. And so uh, and I also um, have an info product business that luckily just, you know, sort of generates revenues selling, you know, how to relieve your own back pain, shoulder pain stuff. So that's like sort of the, you know, 3D human doings. However, I do spend 80% of my time uh, doing these experiences and doing these missions and, and just doing, I believe we have a sovereign right to fully express ourselves in an uninhibited way. I don't believe in working hard. I believe in devotion, but I don't believe in sacrifice and hard work and enduring in, in that reality. So yeah, so I, most of my time, I would say 90% of my time is doing stuff like I just love doing. Mm -hmm. So when you run these experiences, what's like the the common outcome for people. Like, I'm, I'm just very curious if you could kind of walk me through, like, what is someone who somehow comes into your gravity? Well, yeah. the Steve young gravity well that I've been hearing a lot about, how do they get into that? And then what's the journey like for them? And then what's, what's on the other side, if there's an other side for them? Sure. Yeah. Uh, typically it's, it's all invite only. Like I'm not, um, there's no advertisement advertisements or like public posts of like, Hey, do this, come. Uh, it's typically invite only, mainly because these events are designed for small groups. And I want the groups to be the ideal curated humans. For example, if, especially for the spiritual missions, every invite that went out, I muscle tested to ask the collective consciousness, is that person attending this event serving them in a greater good for humanity? Right. And so every event, first and foremost, is um, sort of invite only. And so if there are someone, if there are people that I know or that have attended events that vouch for someone else, I'll, I'll get on a call with them to make sure, you know, it's a fit. So that, um, as far as what are they experiencing? What are the effects? Well, um, I mean, very commonly we've had people say something along the lines of I've done such deep spiritual work, inner knowing work I've done. I mean, literally just last week, someone's like, I've, I've journeyed 50 times in the last couple of years. Uh, and this three-day experience was the most profound and life-changing. And I believe the reason is um, I've learned to combine science, right, uh, and sacred practices along with ancient wisdom. And I'll explain what that means. The science part's easy, right? So it's it's nutrients, it's optimizing the brain, it's decreasing inflammation, it's preparing 
the, the body physiologically for what's about to happen. The sacred stuff could be shamanic practices and potentially plant allies. And the ancient wisdom is the seven hermetic laws and a lot of uh, teachings from what we'll call mystery schools, right? So, you know, like magic school. But the seven hermetic laws are tremendous because uh, these are the seven laws that govern reality in, in the universe. And one simple aspect, like one of the seven laws is the law of polarity, like everything has opposites, right? And so, for example, for us to really, really, really conceptualize the concept of temperature, we can't have our hand in 50 degrees constantly. We need zero and 100, right? Even 60 and... 40 degrees isn't as good. We, we want a wide swing. So we go, oh, I fully understand the, the full swing of temperature. And so when I facilitate experiences, one day is the opposite intention of the other day. One day is all about who and what I have become. It's very egocentric. And the next day, it's about there is no ego, there's no I. I'm actually part of the all, part of the collective source consciousness, what wants to be expressed and what wants to be experienced. And just by doing that, that's just one variable of many. I found that something gets revealed that the person cannot reveal in only the divine world and only in the ego-centric world. Wow. Wow. Is Would it be too much to ask to just go through like your personal distillation of the other six? Sure. Hermetic laws yeah, and what that looks I'm so curious to hear your perspective on these things. Yeah, I... I and I have an interesting story about the hermetic laws if we want to get into it. So oh, please, yeah, well, let's start with that story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and this ties back to Egypt. So um, the trip was green lighted seven months uh, before the trip started, right? Like 27 people signed up. I had this, without the budget, without anything that came, I had this, the number for the cost of the, the event came in my mind. I was like, hey, it's $11,111. 27 people within a week said yes. Fast forward, we're six months later, we're about four weeks before the trip is about to start. I still had no idea how we were going to send love into the collective consciousness. I knew it was going to happen. I just had no idea how. Like, that's a pretty big, it's not like, hey, we're going to feed an orphanage. That's, I, we can plan that all day. But to send love into the collective consciousness to move humanity forward is a, a pretty big task. So this is about faith. I, um, just had this knowing that it's going to happen. And then one day, one of the attendees connects me to her spiritual guides, uh, this Lady Sophia and Sir Edward. And she's like, look, you, you might want to have a call with Lady Sophia. I think they have a lot of input for you on how to accomplish this mission. And so I pay for a call an hour. And the first 30 minutes, she, she's basically reading an email that Sir Edward, her sort of spiritual partner in this, um, channels like Archangel Michael and other spirits to give me very specific instructions on like what stone to have on me in order to get in, what to think and say before entering, very specifics to make the mission a success. And so that was the first 30 minutes. And then, you know, it's 30 minutes left. She's like, hey, what would you like to talk about? Is there anything, any questions? And I had remembered that the, the, the member that um, came that referred me to her said she was like a healer, Reiki master and all that stuff. And I was like, huh. Uh, so I told her, I was like, for the last seven months since the trip has been conceptualized, I've been having pain between my shoulder blades for the last seven months to a point where it's basically waking me up every two hours, like pretty, pretty affecting my life. And I said to her, like, I've been a physical therapist and, and healing bodies for 20 years. Like I know how to get rid of pain, but no matter what I did for this, it, it, it wasn't going away. So it was very unusual for me. 
And so she said, sure, let's take a look. And so she asked for permission to go to my etheric body, my like energetic field, because right? I'm in New Jersey, she's in Maryland, we're on Zoom. And literally within a minute, I can feel this warmth in my back, like something's happening. And then I hear her on Zoom saying, hmm, this is strange. Uh, something very unusual here. She's like, you had your permission to go into your quantum timeline, right? Looking at all your previous lives, basically your existence as a soul or a spirit um, in, our, in our plane. And I was like, sure, I, mean, I trust her. And then a minute later, she goes, got it. So apparently, roughly 20 plus thousand years ago, during the great battle of Atlantis that destroyed Atlantis, I was Hermes, the messenger god. And in that battle, I was trying to help humans by bridging man and divine together. And what's hilarious is the, the theme of Egypt, the triplets called heaven on earth. That's what came to me. So as I was trying to bridge man and divine together, the other team, whatever we want to label them as, basically chopped off my wings and killed me. And she said, every 500 years, I've incarnated into this plane to try to complete this mission of bridging man and divine. And every 500 years, I've been killed. Uh, and she says, luckily, this this time, you will you will succeed, like you'll live. And what's interesting, how to tie that back into the hermetic laws is if you look into it, the messenger god Hermes is also thought thought to be Thoth, the originator of the hermetic laws. It's probably why I'm pretty biased and I've always been drawn to the seven hermetic laws. It's it's possible that in a previous life, I may have somehow conceptualized it. <laughs> so that's the, the interesting loop story. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I have like a couple of tangents and then we'll get back to the hermetic laws. Yeah. Okay. So from, um, this, this is something that's come up in like my realm in this past, like six months in particular, mm -hmm. like all these things. Right. So, so let's talk about from a practical like 3d standpoint for people that are watching that mm -hmm. they might've heard all of that for like the first time ever and be like, Whoa, mm -hmm. that sounds really crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm what's the practical like uh yeah 3d world like application of like when someone to me says they speak to archangel michael what's the kind of can you talk about that in a really basic sense like something that anyone could understand sure as like a translation so that whenever we because i'm sure this is gonna come up a lot today yeah sure uh i think one, it would be very essentially egotistical to think that we're the only beings around. We can start with that context, right? I mean, in this massive universe with all these unknowns, uh, to think that we're the only beings generating like thought is a bit silly. And so we start to realize that there's probably other beings um, that are generating thought and possibly other beings that know how to um, travel across time. Like we're starting to have actual physics now proving time goes backwards and we can essentially time travel. Right. And so for me, it's, Oh, I have a fun caveat there, by the yeah. way, something that I love saying is if time travel, if you ever believe it's ever possible, it's already happening. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just, we can go down that rabbit hole as well. So, um, yeah. So what I've learned is that as we learn to, quiet our minds, right? Our, our thinking, because if we're constantly thinking, it's like filling a room packed with people and no other people can come in. As we learn to empty the room, there's all this space and then things have the ability to come in. And so essentially, I'm sure many listeners have had like intuition or gut feelings or 
some voice that tells them, yep, this, that sometimes makes no sense whatsoever. Well, I believe that is essentially um, messages, like we're receiving messages. And whatever we, some people call it archangels or spirits or, I don't know, aliens, we don't really need to, to label it. But I, I think every listener has experienced some type of thought or knowing that came into their system. And so that's, that's what that is. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So then as potentially part of the spirit of the originator of the hermetic laws, <laughs> we already discussed the law of polarity. Um, what's like the next one that you feel yeah. uh, it would be nice to talk about? The law of rhythm. And so everything in the universe and everything in nature exists in rhythm. Nothing exists in a linear fashion. Right. And so how to apply this in your, in your life is if, if there's anything, for example, if you're eating strawberries every day, what will eventually happen is you will become inflammatory in response to the strawberries. Right. And that's just a, 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 uh, a law of the hermetics, right? Because we're not meant to do anything in a very linear basis. And so everything swings back and forth. And another use of this law, and as you start to learn the hermetic laws and perceive life through the hermetic laws, it brings you infinite peace. An example of this is because of all the rhythm right now, the world seems chaotic. It can't stay in chaos forever, right? The, the farther you, you pull a pendulum to the side and you let go, it's going to swing the other way. And so as chaotic as it seems now, absolutely in the future, order and peace and serenity is happening. It's the opposite, right? Whatever, if you call it lots of hate, lots of chaos and lots of love and lots of order will happen. And just having that understanding and knowing brings such immense peace, peace to your life versus complaining, thinking it's going to be this way all the time. Right. So that's a, the law of rhythm. And then there's the law. Now, yeah. um, with these hermetic laws, what are some of the things that you either have seen in your own life or could you tell them like what? What's the ideal like outcome of applying the hermetic laws? Like there's a lot of like legends basically yeah. of if you can truly understand these seven laws yeah. and, and really like live with them, yeah. what's the outcome of like starting to apply them? Yeah. Yeah. So there's different layers, right? So the intellectual application of them, um, gives you that peace, right? You just feel infinitely more grounded and peaceful because it's almost like, you know, buying a, a board game and imagine trying to play the board game without reading any instructions. You're just trying to figure it out. It may seem like what's happening. Imagine being able to read the instructions. You go, Oh, got it. So this, this is the rule and this governs this. That's basically the hermetic law. So bring much more ease and peace into your life. Now, the seven hermetic laws are also a lock, a trap to keep you in the 3d world, right? To keep you in 3d existence and keep you in duality, right? And opposites because there's a law of polarity. But it's also the key. If you start to combine the hermetic laws, instead of being uh, enslaved by these seven rules, you now become a creator of the seven rules as you start to combine and deeply become the hermetic laws. And so that's sort of the progression from intellectual understanding, which brings ease and peace to becoming, applying, combining and embodying. That's how you exit the, the 3D plane, basically. And when I say exit the 3D plane, that's not like you leave your body. Right. It's not like you, you don't, you know, I, I tell people like, I don't care how spiritual you are, you're still going to eat pee and poop. Right. And so it's really about having this much deeper understanding of past, present, future life and everything. 
that that is beyond the, the egoic mind. Hmm. So that brings up two questions uh, that are a little fast ones, and we'll get back to the next sure. law. Um, one of them is, so you're telling me you've never met any mystic in your travels that burst into butterflies. <laughs> uh, interestingly, I have met two people uh, that are still currently alive that have transcended before but decided to come back. So that, that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. I always say, like, whatever crazy thing that you think is possible yeah. and like, you know, whatever, like I've had some weird experiences with Jeffrey Allen, if you're familiar, where he just like, he's a, he's like a energy guy mm -hmm. and he's been on the show and totally incredible. He teaches from Mind Valley, and mm -hmm. I've seen uh, just some weird experiences where I'm like, okay, I clearly have no idea what's going on in life because of what this guy was capable yeah. of. And, uh, and I'm like, and if you really want to see how far this goes, you'd probably have to travel to like really remote places yeah. because the people that are really, truly masterful don't need anyone to know that they yeah. exist. You know, it's just totally not. So you have to really seek them yeah. out. And when Dr. Strange, the movie came out, I was like, oh, that's probably more real than we yes, think. Totally. <laughs> Which is my second question. Yeah. How much time? Uh, I have many questions for you, but for the first one, before we go back to the hermetic yeah. laws is, how much time would you say on like a, let's just call it a weekly basis or monthly basis for you? Do you spend fully present in your body versus not fully present in your body at this point? Mm. And what does that look like? That's a great question. Fully present in the body. Um, well, Again, I, I'll give context before I answer this question. So I, I started meditating when I was 14, so 32 years ago. Um, and I went through phases where it was about traditional, like you sit in silence and you're basically emptying your thoughts. And yes, you can do all kinds of magical stuff in that state. Um, however, um, like most things, I start with structure, like X number of hours a day, I'm going to do my, my, my workout, my meditation, all that stuff. And I went through a phase of my life where it was all about structure and control because I wanted to feel safe from a childhood experience. And I've learned to basically let that go to live in an ease and flow. And the reason I'm giving that context is I need to like put on my structure hat and kind of measure when I'm embodied. Um, I would say, I don't know if I had to intuitively guess 30% uh, of the time I'm basically in my body, in the moment, in the now, uh, it doesn't mean that I'm meditating. I don't actually do a ton of formal meditation. It's more of, of a presence and a mindfulness in a, in a meditation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know a lot of people have these experiences of deep flow, mm -hmm. right? Where they're, they're doing something either that they're really skilled at or they're, they're doing something that requires them to be so present that they actually, like I always say, like I black mm -hmm. out. Right. I'm, I am very, very there, but I'm also very, very not yeah. there. And after those experiences, I noticed that the body tends to be really worn down, mm. um, even if it was just a mental mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was like you were so mm -hmm. present that maybe other things came in to help do whatever the task was. Right. Is there what have you learned over time to maybe a amplify that or b um recover 
or prevent the physical wear down of those experiences? Yeah, I, I love this question. Yeah, yeah. So um, in Western philosophy, when we look at energy, we see it as calories, right? So physical energy, that type of energy. Obviously, if we look into Eastern cultures, there's, you know, chi, prana, which really is the other way to look at this, it, it's just electromagnetic energy, right? Not heat energy, which is calories. And the reason that context is important is because a lot of times people's electromagnetic energy, you know, chi and prana, um, one is either drained or two, they don't have awareness of it and, and there's stuff happening. And this electromagnetic energy also as it comes off of us, it's called our aura, right? It, we have literally this energetic electromagnetic toroidal field bubble right, that's happening, and this is all science, we've been able to measure this, um, that is there for a reason. Um, not only is, a, is it a broadcasting or a, or a amplification of us, it's also a shield designed to keep other energies out. And, and again, these are important contexts to, to consider as I answer your question, which is what happens when a person uh, is in that flow and then they feel drained? Well, one possibility could be that their innate chi or electromagnetic energy start off kind of low. Like I've seen people extremely healthy, like 6% body fat, abs, eats well, but their chi is, I can just sense it, it's, it's very low, it's drained, right? Because your, your physical health and your chi doesn't always correlate, right? And so the other side of it is um, because of some, I'll call it denser energies, and dense just means um, lower frequency emotions, right? Such as guilt, shame, anger, fear. Those denser energies, if not kept in check and transmuted would be the best, can allow things to breach your electromagnetic shield and come in. And those dense energies can feel again, like fatigue and draining. So those are the two most common mechanisms that I see. Awesome. When it comes to that shield and, uh... So let's say what I just got from that is like, okay, so try to amplify the more positive, higher frequency vibration energies like joy, gratitude, enlightenment, love, right? Mm -hmm. What do you have any like tricks or tips yeah. for increasing the shield and preventing like the sticky stuff? I do. Uh, there's a lot of different shielding techniques. Um, all kinds of meditations. I'm sure if you even just like Google like uh, energetic shielding meditation, I'm sure they're all over the internet. Uh, my favorite, uh, because as other profound benefits, is uh, a form of martial arts called Merpati Puti. It's a 500-year-old energetic form of martial arts from Indonesia. And these two brothers, uh, Mike and Nate, who were featured in the documentary called Superhuman, they actually teach, they're the only Westerners that have been granted by the royal family the right and the ability to teach this Murpati Puti to, to the world. And so they're in Ogden, Utah. Uh, for any listeners, look up Vibra Vision, V-I-B-R-A, Vision. That's their brand. Uh, they do these five-day immersions. And within the first day, you basically learn how to cast an energetic shield using the Murpati Puti sort of process. Again, I like it because it's an incredible shield. Plus, you can develop healing abilities. You can literally see without your eyes within two days. Uh, we were like literally navigating obstacle courses blindfolded by day five. Uh, you can use the energy to, to have superhuman strength and break things if you're into that. 
yeah, all kinds of other benefits from that approach. Wow. Okay. Definitely going in the show notes. Definitely going to Ogden, Utah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some information. Let's see what's going yeah. on. Yep. So then uh, let's move on before I get into a whole nother tangent of questions to the third. So we, so far we've got the law of polarity and the law of rhythm. Yep. Yeah. And so the, the next few, a little bit, we can go a little bit quicker, right? So the, there's the law of mentalism, which just means all things originate from thought, right? And so pretty basic. Another one is law of vibration. Everything, you know, we know quantum, every molecule could be a particle or a wave. And so everything is, is in vibration, but the deeper, so yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to slow us down so much because I just have so many questions and I, I, you know, I'm just realizing what a, what a deep well of wisdom you are on all this and stories and things. And I just want to extract all of that. It's awesome. So, you know, what I'm noticing with these laws and, and of course these laws are, they're all almost saying the same thing in different ways. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's all kind of circled around like a general universal principle, which I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on and we can get to yeah. after we've done all seven. Yeah. And I, I want to hear all about that. So uh, the law of mentalism, right? Everything is thought, mm -hmm. everything. That's kind of the whole bursting into butterflies situation, right? Where if, if you, if you really like get to that level, like I would presume something like that is entirely possible mm -hmm. and, or, um, and this is like a whole nother thing. I'd, like to hear your thoughts on which is like what is a physical form anyways and mm. um i feel like yeah i'm feeling really called to dive into this this question sure. which is talk to me about the dream world <laughs> yeah so my simple answer for the dream world is we're infinitely more capable in the dream world right because we're we're not trapped within the illusion of our i call it our meat suit right and if you Again, there's almost science to, to sh we'll definitely have the science to show this in the next three years. <clears throat> We're seeing the beginnings of science. And again, science just means measurable, right? Technically. And so we're infinitely more capable than our five senses, right? Um, and so in the dream world, we're not, we're not like trapped within our body. Like we can fly, we can do, I mean, I fly all the time in my dreams. You can do all kinds of things. And, um, and in those experiences, as you're dreaming and experiencing those things, absolutely, there is a shift happening in reality. It's not just in your mind, right? Purely from a, everything is contained in the meat suit reality. One would say the dreams is just your subconscious processing things and everything is stored in here. We now know our consciousness is not stored in our brain, right? And so then when we're dreaming, what what's happening? Well, literally our expanded consciousness in that dream is broadcasting that into the universe into into reality and so my my answer is our our dream world we're infinitely uh more more capable than our awake world yeah do you what about daydreaming like let's mm -hmm. say we get caught in a in a really beautiful like visceral daydream yeah. where we're like we're very aware that we're awake and we're daydreaming really yeah, yeah. I, I was at an event, Camp Maverick. This is maybe four years ago. My my presentation, my talk, was about uh, how the word imagination completely downplays what's actually happening, right? If we're daydreaming or if we're imagining something, we are again just like when we're dreaming, we are birthing because law of mentalism. We are literally birthing new realities, and we can even go as deep as. Um, every pure thought like a singular thought 
that thought projects out literally physical reality based on the elements of air, fire, water, earth, and ether. We can get very detailed into that as well and how every thought is affecting reality and affecting one of those elements and the imbalance potentially of those elements in us. I mean, everything is, is connected. So. Wow. Wow. Okay. So let's say on a very like 3d practical level, mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of people here listening mm -hmm. that have the experience of like maybe having certain thought loops. Yeah that uh, those those neurons have fired together a lot. So it's it's tough sometimes to get out of those thought loops. And those thought loops now after hearing that are like, Oh, my God, I'm actually creating alternate realities mm -hmm. that are not that are things I don't want mm -hmm. to be thinking about or any of that. What would be the process for someone to start to shift uh, those thought loops? And yeah, you know, this is a great question. Uh, one, I would say that I don't know, let's say if I have a, I mean, I, I've had these thoughts, I'll be driving and this thought comes like, Oh yeah, car's gonna crash off the thing and fall over and die. But I don't give it a lot more thought beyond that original thought, right? It's not like, yes, I want that to happen. And what that means is I'm not giving it what the Dhamma Hermians would call density to that reality. I'm not feeding the energy of that thought. And so there are these fleeting thoughts that come. Um, and so my my first recommendation is don't be afraid. Like that reality, that thing isn't gonna happen unless you you give it a lot of emotion and desire and wanting and even more powerful knowing that it's going to happen. If you don't do that, it's not like it just happens when those thoughts comes, right? And so the first step is like a lot of self grace, if these loops are happening, right? Because in the personal development, spiritual self help, growth, you know, breakthrough level up world, they're basically saying on a as a presupposition, it's called right, like when they when they tell you something, there's an assumed statement and a command. And that assumed statement and command is you currently suck, basically. It's how they can sell you stuff. And so I'm a huge fan of you start from, I am divinely perfect and in full grace and love. And then from here, you, you unfold and just like nature, nature naturally unfolds the way nature intends. The tree I'm looking at isn't saying, I'm not tall enough, I need to grow bigger. Right. And so first and foremost, when you have those loops, give yourself grace and forgiveness and compassion and know that those things are happening uh, for a divine reason. And from that place, not from a, this is bad. I need to fix this place. Right. From that acceptance and divine love and acceptance, and all that stuff. The tactical thing to do essentially is um, I'll give a tactical, a symptomatic and a root cause thing. The symptomatic thing would be return to breath. Whenever you return to breath, it brings you back to center in your essence, right? And so in the moment, you can stop the loops by returning to breath, focus on your breath. The root cause is typically going to be some type of forgiveness, forgiveness to the self, right? And so feel into where, where and when that scene happened and use your imagination, which we discuss is way more powerful. It's actually like time traveling and changing reality go back into the original scene where you feel any of this knowing that that seeded that loop, go back to that version of yourself. And as your adult wiser self, you know, go there and apply some Ho'oponopono, have a discussion like your soul, spirit, subconscious will know what's the ideal conversation experience to fully transmute that, right? Not to fix it, right? Literally to allow it to fully unfold naturally.
Hmm. And then if we want to do the exact opposite, uh, do you have any particular favorite practices for, um, so you said like, I don't put a lot of energy, I don't like feed that energy and you used some really cool term like dar Dharma, Dhamma, what was that uh, yeah, term? It's, the Dhamma Hermians would call it density. They're, it's a group of people in Dhamma Italy. Hermians, yeah. Yeah. yeah, They're like the, the most spiritual okay. people. So, okay. So we'll, we'll come back yeah. to that. I'm going to remember yeah. that Dhamma Hermians. So when I want to do the opposite and I have a beautiful thought that pops up and I'm like, Ooh, I want to like lean into that and give that energy. What's the, what's like your top tips for giving it the right type of energy to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I visualize that experience words as we think and speak them is every word is a different shape box. And if we don't give it any feelings, right, there's no feelings or intensity. It's just like a empty box that goes out into the universe. And if we want the thing, this box to do something like imagine these boxes being Lego pieces, and you can start to stack these Lego pieces and build an actual reality. You want the Lego pieces to have to be solid, right? And so you want to fill it with emotion. And so the question is what emotions? Well, typically, and this is a great point to, to make, this is happening all the time. I, I tell my entrepreneur friends, like you might be, you might be making this incredible mousetrap, but if you're in a state of fear, as you're running your business, fear is what's getting embedded into that mousetrap. And that mousetrap, when someone buys that mousetrap is literally broadcasting fear, right? And so from that perspective, we want to be very mindful and have high discernment what emotion that is. And so I think if I had to pick one love, because that is our essence. And when I say love, I don't mean the, the um, commercialized version of love, right? Which is right. If you notice the language I give, I receive love, I lose love, I find love. I'm talking about like the roomy sort of version of love, which is our essence. It's who we are. Right. And so it's literally bringing our, our innate essence of love into that, into that thought. And the other better add one more is you come from a place of absolute knowing, right? Which goes back to faith, this, this intense knowing that this is going to be the thing and feel that with love and put that word and that thought out there. Wow. Beautiful. Okay. So now we've got polarity, rhythm, mentalism, yep. and then what was the vibration? Fourth? Yeah. Vibration. vibration. Talk to me about vibration. Yeah. I mean, essentially everything is in motion, right? Again, what that means is it's a, a micro. And like you said, all the laws are stacked and intertwined. They're really not kind of like separate like this. They're, they're harmonized. And so the law of vibration could be seen as a, a mini version of law of rhythm, right? Because everything is shifting constantly. And so when we view our life as, oh, I'm stuck with this, or this country stuck this way, or this situation is stuck this way, know that the law of vibration states, it's constantly shifting and it's constantly reacting to our vibration, right? We, we now know through, again, science, double slit experiment, Emoto's work with water, our thoughts, like we're not just observing reality, we are now projecting and affecting reality. Again, this is science. And so the law of vibration states that our internal vibration is affecting reality, which goes back to be of highest discernment and choice on how you're vibrating moment to moment, right? So that's the, the law of vibration. Um, and the fifth one is the, wow. yeah, the law of masculine. Yeah. So, Go ahead. Uh, just one more thing yeah. to bring up about that vibration and, and hear your thoughts on this. This is what I've heard. Um, so like last October, 
I went through a really tough period of life and I, I ended up seeing like a couple uh, clairvoyance and I had known that this stuff was possible. Yeah. Right. And both of them said the exact same things and they don't know each other and they didn't know me and there was no context. And I was like, that's really interesting. So I saw a third and they said the same things and I saw a fourth and they said the same mm -hmm. things. And I was like, oh, there might be a lot. Like I thought like at least 90% of these people would be like just like randomly yeah. just doing it for like, you know, like a, like a quack. Right. I ended up seeing 13 of them. <laughs> because I, I went down this rabbit hole of like, how many are gonna say that? And I tried all the different things. I found a guy who does lithomancy, who like does stones mm -hmm. and like drops stones and then reads the stones. And he said the same things mm -hmm. as the other ones. And I was like, how is this possible? And as I, as I dug down this rabbit hole, they're like, um, again, Jeffrey Allen once years ago told me, he's like, no matter what implement you use, it's the energy that someone's reading yeah. and it could use any implement because it's like, if they're doing it about you, it's, it's really just your energy is going to display in a certain way. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, and also this concept of now and how big your now is and now can be right now, like three seconds now, or it could be a nanosecond now, or it could be 10 years now or 30 years now, or for your friend that talks to Archangel Michael, it could be thousands of years now. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that's such a fascinating concept to me because, and, and for the reason of this law of vibration, right. Of like how much is stored in a vibration. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying the experiments with water where you're like, uh, you talk to the water and you, you infuse words with mm -hmm. love and the water, the actual shape of the water changes. Yeah. And if you say like bad things and have like anger, yeah. the water change, it's so crazy yeah. to me. Like, it, it, it's actually, it's like really exciting and really scary <laughs> how much influence yes. our thoughts and our words and our feelings could have over everything around everything. us, which to me is a little bit like paranoia where you're like, wow, I got to be like really careful mm. with how I yeah. feel and say things and who I'm around and all of that stuff. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, don't take it too seriously. Build a shield and just keep doing life. <laughs> right. Yeah. I that is a very common thought that comes as people, you know, stumble upon this, these concepts. And the thing I say to them, it, again, it goes back to faith in nature, right? Which is all the things that you might be, you might reflect on, oh my God, I, I thought all these quote unquote bad things that was meant to happen. And then you start from grace and acceptance, because again, if you start from, Ooh, I should not have thought or done that that that's the vibration already, right? You're already in the vibration of separation and there's something wrong. And so first and foremost, just like it is what it is. And there's a divine reason why I thought that way yesterday, last year, you know, 10 years ago and, and all that for sure. Um, and then on the, on the future side, again, because it helps the self-help personal growth space consistently says you're not good enough. And there's all this trauma to fix and heal it must be framed this way for them to sell the books and services. I'm not a big fan of that frame. I am more of a frame of there's just parts that you have yet to fully love, right? So you get to find all the parts in your past that you have yet to fully love and love it because you get better at what you practice and this practice, you get better at loving. You can get better at healing the drawback with or fixing the drawback with healing and fixing is because the law of opposites, if you get better at healing, 
you must create wounds to heal. If you get really good at fixing, you must create problems to fix, right? And so just being of high discernment of the path in which people are, are walking uh, to transmute and let go of those internal, like the root of those internal thoughts. Um, I would recommend, you know, loving even more the, the parts in, in the past. And then now I'll, I'll give a little science to, to tie this all together. So, um, I mean, in the seventies, they knew this it just wasn't really, you know, publicized, but in the seventies, they said 78% of our DNA, they call it junk DNA because the DNA didn't make proteins. It didn't make stuff to run us. They just thought it was like, oh, junk DNA. Well, no, it, what they learned is that these DNA makes bio photons. We're actually 78% light beings and only 22% biological beings. We're way more what's called homo luminous than homo sapien. And those bio photons that the DNA, which is code that is generating a light particle that's broadcasting away from us with a frequency this is why when you work with any clairvoyant, they're just reading the bio photon and go, oh, okay, doo -doo -doo, whatever way they're reading it. And that's why it can be consistent because everything we've ever experienced in this life, and if you believe in previous lives, it's stored in our, in our DNA. So. Wow. Oh my gosh. This, I hope this is a seven hour conversation. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's go to the fifth law. Yeah. Let's go to the fifth law for now. <laughs> right. So the, the fifth one is the law of masculine and feminine. All right. So all things have both attributes. And of course, that doesn't mean male and female. Um, it's it's really the masculine is the the yang, right? The the feminine is the yin. The masculine is the protector, warrior, container, executor. Uh, the yin is the softer, creative, unknown mystery. All things have those elements uh, within. Um, and then the sixth one is the law of cause and effect, right? Nothing happens by accident. There's action reaction, basically. And then the seventh law, which is my favorite, I would save it for last, which is the law of correspondence. And we've talked a lot about the law of correspondence, also known as as above, so below, as within, so without, which means our internal reality our thoughts, emotions, and our internal state is directly influencing the external. It's a, a complete two-way street. It's not just, in other words, um, when someone thinks that person's making me feel mad, the flip side to that, according to the law of correspondence, is I have anger in me that is being expressed because of that person, right? So it's a two-way street. Mm. And so the law of correspondence is huge because we tend to want to change the external circumstance that's one way, but you can also change the internal circumstance and the external will immediately shift. And go ahead. Okay. Okay. So this brings up something. Uh, it's kind of a two part question again. Um, one of them is in this world of working on ourselves mm -hmm. and learning about emotional intelligence, right? There is a lot of, I have three questions okay. now about the shoulder raise that you're doing as well. But, um, so the first, the first question is in this world where they say like emotions are meant to be felt, yeah. right? Emotions are when they come through and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my theory on emotions that has been evolving over the past, obviously my entire mm -hmm. life, but really the last six okay. months has been, 
okay, so you've got the spectrum of emotions that you referenced earlier, which is like the negative eight to the positive eight, mm -hmm. right? Which is like shame, guilt, fear, anger, all mm -hmm. that, all the way up to enlightenment, joy, like we talked about mm -hmm. earlier. My theory is that they are all there at all times and they all coexist and they are never more or less. They're just always there and it's which ones you turn the flashlight mm -hmm. onto or which ones you put your focus onto. Therefore, uh, those emotions are neither good nor bad. They are just ways that we have boxed in certain feelings that we get in this like 3D experience. Mm -hmm. Am I, are you with me so far or, okay, Definitely. so you're with me. So from your perspective of where you're at, um, I want to know kind of how you deal with hard things or challenging things that really draw out, like you're saying, mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, there's a lot of like, let's just go the lowest, right? The, the mm -hmm. shame, the, the lowest vibration mm -hmm. of those things, at least the way that we use that yeah. word in that context, yeah. right? Right. So if I go to my like lowest vibrational emotion and I'm feeling that, what's your philosophy on like, how much do I feel that versus do I, what, what do I do there? Do I just go straight up to like a higher vibration emotion or what do I, what do I do with yeah. that? Um, First, I'll, again, I always like to give context before I answer your question. So the, my internal context is, um, and there's a great movie called The Shack, where in one scene, like wisdom is speaking to the main character. And wisdom says men are not meant to judge, right? which means humans are not meant to decide what's good or bad, right or wrong, or positive or negative. And so I've, I've stricken those six words out of my language years ago, right? Because once we judge something, we are now going to be attached to it, basically. And so in really what we're talking about is how do we become non attached, right to these emotions, because all emotions are just like a full spectrum of tools for us to be in our meat suit and have a very human experience, basically, right, they're all useful. Like I tell people, like, even if you're linearly attached, let's say to joy, and you see your mother get murdered, you're not supposed to be in joy in that moment. That is not a helpful reaction, <laughs> right? That's an example. On the flip side, of course, if some things are happening, you're constantly in shame, that is also not helpful. We're meant to swing in those opposite, right? In polarity and rhythm and have a full spectrum of emotions. There's that. Now, some people do get attached to the guilt, the shame, the fear, and anger. And so really the question maybe is, how do we become non-attached to it? Well, first and foremost, don't judge it. As soon as you judge it, you are now attached to it. So let go of the judgment and just, again, it goes back to this incredible practice of starting from grace and acceptance. Right? Accept that you have been predominantly in fear or in guilt or in shame, right? So first and foremost. Beyond that, I would look into David Hawkins' work. I mean, he's the one that kind of mapped out like, you know, the vibration of shame is the lowest and you know, enlightenment is the highest. And he talks about how, for example, um, anger. Anger is great if you were in guilt and shame because it's a higher vibration energy. And so going, you know, if you're in guilt, get to shame. If, or if you're in shame, get to guilt. If you're in guilt, get to anger. If you're, right. And so there's a whole linear process from a tactical perspective because it may be tough because it feels unrealistic to go from shame to bliss. Like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be feeling bliss. But, and, and people who do this would be like, I'm, I'm still feeling the shame, right? Because they're judging it. But once you non-attach to it and non-judge it, 
just go one layer up. It's like, you know, if you wanted to run a marathon, don't run 26 miles tomorrow, run one mile, then two miles. And so there is this sort of energetic hierarchy with these emotions that allows you to go step by step in a, in a easy and graceful way. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had experiences. Uh, now, now I'm going to get into a very personal question yeah. here. I've had experiences where, and I, I think I'm not, I'm actually questioning whether or not, because I think I don't judge this, but I'm wondering if I should judge this. And I'm, I'm sure the answer is no, but I want to hear your thoughts mm -hmm. on it. Where, as an example, in 2017, mm -hmm. in Jamaica at AFEST, mm -hmm. I broke my foot in three places. Mm -hmm. I also have like a really intense physical therapy background, and, and we can talk about that later. And um, the moment that it broke, I was, I was very aware that I broke mm -hmm. things. Um, it's like a slippery dance floor. I was dressed up in a Gandalf outfit. It's kind a of a, a weird yep. story. Yep, a yep. Best. Um, I was dancing for Gaylong Tugton, <laughs> if you know him. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't yep. want to do the dance yep. off. And I was dancing against, I think, Jason Goldberg when it okay. happened. If you know mm -hmm. him as well. And and as soon as it broke, Paulius, the photographer, ran over the top of me, not knowing that I was in extreme pain mm -hmm. and injured. And he took a photo immediately. Mm -hmm. And the photo is me splayed out like this, like this, mm -hmm. with like a giant smile, because yeah. even though I knew I was in extreme pain, I was like, oh, I can test all of these interesting things to fix this. Yeah. And it's on my own body. So I can really go really intense on the healing yeah. and, and see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And that's going to be so fun. So in, in the same, I was literally experiencing like joy mm -hmm. and like all the, there's like 300 people and I just broke my ankle. I guess I wasn't experiencing much shame or, or even anger, maybe fear a little bit. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously a lot of pain mm -hmm. at the same time. And I have an uncanny ability to do that, to experience opposites yep. at the same time. Yep. And usually, and, and some people have referenced the term of like spiritual bypassing mm -hmm. of emotions mm -hmm. where I'm like, Oh, like I can move from shame to enlightenment real quick. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Yeah. What is, what's your... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you reflect back on that moment, there was a period of time, it could have been, it could have been a nanosecond, 10 seconds, where you felt frustration, anger, whatever, and you quickly move beyond that. And that's super important to recognize because it just, it's a testament to the amount of practice you have applied, right, to this game of reality and spirituality and emotional mastery and self-awareness. It's, it, yeah, bypassing would be like, everything is awesome, right? What that means is they don't give themselves those micro moments to feel that fear, that frustration that comes in. They bypass it, the, the zero fear, zero, none of that. And that's a very big difference in feeling it, but only for a few seconds or a nanosecond. And then you're able to kind of transcend. That is, that's part of the, the game. So yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, so I have a theory that in the world, there's people that are sun babies and moon babies, mm -hmm. and it's a gradient, mm -hmm. right? It's a spectrum. And as people like evolve, they tend to move more center. Mm -hmm. And my theory is that sun babies are the ones that will slant towards the higher end of the spectrum and focus on those emotions more, even when maybe they shouldn't, or they'll avoid feeling mm -hmm. and they'll really like judge and be like, I'm, I'm not going to go into anger, fear, guilt, and shame. Yeah. And then moon babies, uh, if a really extreme moon baby will be like, oh, I love me some shame, guilt, anger, and fear. 
and it's really tough for them to get to that higher spectrum on a regular basis and they even find like especially the longer they go in life these moon babies will have like untrained muscles for like to keep consistent joy and love and uh, hope and those things right enlightenment um and then again over time so I, I definitely fall more into the sun baby as a core category. Yeah. And then I've had experiences that have allowed me to be like more moon, yeah. if you yeah. will. Right. And embrace more of those, those like lower vibration emotions that I think are still really important. Yeah. What's, what's like, uh, so have you recognized this too? There's like these types of people and then you move more center over time. Definitely. Hopefully, hopefully you do <laughs> not more extreme, which does happen as yeah. well what's is there a is there a best practice there like do you uh, let me ask you this you seem like a sun baby you you seem like someone where probably when you were younger mm -hmm. you tended towards more positive emotions mm -hmm. and if that's true do you have any practices for loving on and spending time in those lower vibration ones so that they can get uh, an opportunity to voice themselves when necessary mm. yeah it's a great question and Again, context first. If we zoom out, again, for those of us that believe in previous lives and in, in, you know, our spirit, this isn't our first experience. And we apply that to faith. What we'll recognize is that there are people in this lifetime that will 100% be in the moon side or 100% be in the sun side, and that's okay because last life they were on the other side, that they were on the opposite. So they incarnate in this lifetime to be like, oh yeah, I feel what I felt last light, last time in this playground of earth and humans, I felt what moon side was like. This time I wanna feel the sun. And maybe the third time I will feel in between. And so, and that's really important to recognize because um, while within this lifetime, we do want people to achieve neutrality, some people won't because they, they don't, their soul doesn't want to, they're just going to be on one side or the other. And that's okay. And again, that context is important because it gives us grace and self-acceptance, right? Because there is this predominant, like we need to get somewhere um, that is being perpetuated in the, in the space right now. So I'll give that context first. And then uh, to answer the question, yeah, thank you. Uh, to answer that question, I always talk to people, I mean, facilitate experiences and I tell them, and some people are like, what, what if it's bad? What if I have a bad journey? What if I have a whatever, whatever it is. And my answer to them is, um, whatever you experience, one, give yourself grace and pay attention and allow whatever response that comes and whatever response that comes, you choose from that. Now I'll give you an example. Um, you see some kind of horrific act right in front of you, right? And with complete openness, you allow whatever feelings or thoughts that come. And then as the feeling, let's say the feeling is extreme fear and terror followed by uh, some, some anger. And you know, that's the feeling. And maybe the thought is like, that person's horrible. How could they do that? Your, your, your divine right is to fully experience that and be the observer of that response and choose from being that observer. That makes sense, right? Very important. Not just from being in it, you want to be the observer to give full allowance for that response and observe that and choose how, where do you want to go from there? You don't want to block that initial response that is bypassing basically. 
right? So you allow that to come and be the observer and choose from that observation. Beautiful. There were six words that you said you struck from your vocabulary. Yeah. That was, I believe it's right, wrong, good, bad. Positive, negative. What are the other two? Positive, negative. Okay. Okay. So positive, negative, right, wrong, good, and yeah. bad. And we're just, those are done. <laughs> Gone. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we go back to the law of yin and yang or masculine and feminine, mm -hmm. right? And then what was the sixth one? Yeah. So the, uh, the masculine feminine was the fifth. The sixth was um, cause and effect. And then we did the seventh, mm -hmm. which is the law of correspondence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then let's go to that nucleus, like the, the, in the middle. And it sounds like, and I know you said you saved correspondence for last because it's one of your yeah. favorites or, or maybe your favorite, not that it's the most positive, yeah. but it's, it's your most favorite. favorite. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, why, why is that one in particular your most favorite? Do you have, and I have another really big question here, which is like, how do you apply these yeah. to like daily life? Like, could you give me a silly story or run me through uh, like a hypothetical yeah. of like, you're going to pick up a coffee and like, how yeah. does this play a uh, role? I have a story applied to a friend. This is just a recent recency bias because she just messaged me. So two months ago, at an event, um, she was saying how um, she's in the middle of a divorce and it's like the ugliest divorce ever where there's lawyers and she feels like her uh, ex, soon to be ex-husband is doing whatever possible to hurt her, like taking as much custody of the kids and not having the kids see her and, and all this stuff. And, you know, her friend was suggesting you need to lawyer up and you need to like fight this and, and be more aggressive so you win. And as I sense into her and applying to hermetic laws, what I sense into the relationship was that, and again, I'll, I'll apply some of the laws, that while she was the woman, she was out-masculinizing him and making him feel less of a masculine energy, like suppressing that. And that dynamic is actually the root um, reason why the divorce and, and all the things that are happening. And so my response, and also the law of correspondence, like, your internal if you hold on to your masculine and you bring that lawyer up in structure you're you're going to get more of the same so recognizing the law of correspondence you go and flip to the feminine which allows him to be masculine which satisfies his soul spirit need to feel that masculine therefore he doesn't need to do the 3d role things to poke you to try to get you to do that that was my advice fast forward two months later she she messaged me says my entire relationship with him is now awesome and completely different because she followed that advice. Right? And so that's an example of really... Whoa, okay, okay. Break that down for me. What is that? What did she actually do differently mm -hmm. that changed it? So she, yeah, just yeah, walk me yeah, through that. Yeah, so um, to give you additional context for this dynamic, so she's the, the breadwinner. She makes the majority of the income for this family. And I would say 99.9% .9 of, of my female entrepreneur friends are absolutely predominantly in their masculine, right? Because that's, you know, uh, the masculine way is the typical way in which people run businesses, right? You, you plan, you execute, you get things done, you, you delegate, it's all masculine energies. And so I could just sense in the relationship that she was telling him, and I've had so many female friends where they get a boyfriend or a husband that says, hey, can you do this? And husband does it. And they will correct them and say, no, no, that, that's not good enough. You got to do it this way. And I feel like that is the energy that really starts to build some resentment, right? And the other way to say it is the masculine is being suppressed. And so I think she just gave more 
freedom to him and surrender instead of saying like, you need to be doing this and I need a lawyer to do this. It's really just going into your feminine, which is I'm currently feeling this, please help me. Like the, the man, the masculine wants to be the protector, the king archetype, right? And so she just switched to weakness. The other way we wow. apply law of polarity, she was in full strength. She swung to weakness and weakness isn't bad. It's just the opposite, it's just on the other end of the spectrum and allowed him to be strong, which fulfilled his internal desire and need to feel strong and masculine as the man of the house. And once his soul and spirit has that, he doesn't need to do all the downstream, I'll call it poking things. So, Wow. For all of the women listening, which by the way, this audience is like 85% female. Mm -hmm. um, I could attest to even hearing you reference that question. If a woman were to say something like, Hey, I'm feeling blank, mm -hmm. please help me. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no way that I could turn that switch off. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh, I'm now I'm there. Yeah. That would be such an epic question to be asked. Yeah. Um, as a partner yeah. to be like, oh, that's going to completely trigger all of my everything to help you. Yeah. And now I'm like on your side if you ask that, yes. which, you know, is obviously not a woman to woman question that they would yeah. ask. So it's I could see why that would be very different. What would be the equivalent for like a man? Equivalent for um, like, a like if we're in the opposite situation and we want to elicit like a really positive response from the from the feminine mm. side or the the yin side of what we're yeah. dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, many of my um, female entrepreneur friends out in the masculine will secretly tell me something like this. I just want a man to manhandle me. In other words, they're so used to like making the plans and executing. They, they want a man to, to be like, I, I just took care of everything. Instead of like, hey, honey, where do you want to go for dinner? It's like, I've already booked the reservation here at seven o'clock and, and we're going. Right. So the, the woman wants the man to create the walls and the structure so that the feminine energy can dance within this wall. And that dance is actually the creative force that that bursts new things. It's not, sorry guys, it's not the, it's not the masculine energy. The female energy is the creative force. It's the masculine energy that's designed to encompass and encircle the feminine, you know, it's like, I picture this, this black circle with a, with a little bit of white space and complete black on the inside. That complete black is the unknown, the mystery and the feminine and all possibilities exist in the unknown, right? Cause if we know it, we already know it. And so the, as we craft that very strong container and execute and do things instead of asking, um, that tends to be very helpful. Hmm. And any pro tips on coming off as not controlling, but loving sure. with those tactics? Yeah, this is a great topic. So this came to me in March of last year, uh, besides Egypt, another download that came, which is what I'm working on this year, which is harmonizing masculine and feminine. What came to me was that, um, aggression, plus masculine together has been deemed like toxic masculinity and controlling. And so a lot of men, especially if the masses are, are encouraging this, they've actually, instead of becoming loving masculine, right? Instead of aggressive masculine, they become feminine, right? Like they share their feelings and they're like, I'll do whatever you want. Right. And so, which is the feminine side. And we are men are being called, to go back to the masculine, but the loving masculine, the light, you know, light and dark, light masculine, 
because these warriors in the king archetype is what's needed to go forward. Men have taken on lover and magician archetypes, right? Like, I love you, it's amazing, and I want to do some magic and spiritual and all that stuff. They're missing the other two, which is the warrior and the king. And so to answer your question, we can absolutely be setting up things. It's, it's your internal state. It goes back to like original or earlier uh, discussions. When we put those things in place, are we putting it together with control and fear and anger? And I don't want to lose her like energy or absolute unconditional love. It's the energy. She will feel the energy because this energy is what we're broadcasting in the biophoton, right? I can say, hey, I made dinner reservations at seven from a, I'm afraid, I don't want to, whatever energy or from complete love, it comes across very differently. Yeah, beautiful. So while I have you for a few more minutes here, I, I have to get your thoughts on uh, currency and like abundance and like where where do we begin with this whole spectrum of mm -hmm. the hermetic laws and energy and how you've learned um, to teach that or talk about that to people? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. Um, and when you say currency, just to be specific, do you mean like dollars, Bitcoin currency? currency? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I remind people, um, currency is just a measure of energy, right? And so an energy is not only abundant, I don't actually don't believe in abundance and scarcity. Energy is infinite. And we as our divine selves um, have choice, right? Because when we when we attach to abundance, when we say we want abundance, it means the presupposition is we're currently in scarcity. I, re I remind people, I would never say I want Asian because I'm already Asian, right? And so when we want abundance, we are already telling ourselves we're currently in scarcity. But when we realize it's all choice and energy is infinite, that's a whole different frame and context and reality. And so I believe we have choice and there's infinite energy. I believe we are in this transitionatory phase where there is changes in the mechanism of measurement and storage of of energy, right? And so cryptocurrency, dollar, gold, all that stuff, we're in that, that is all being figured out as we speak. The more we can hold that energy is infinite, and all this stuff is just a measure of it. It, it. it by itself kind of means nothing, right? It's it's the energy, that's actually the root source that will help move humanity forward the way uh, it wants to go. So with that being said, I'm, I'm presuming you've noticed and your people have noticed that there's different energies around different currencies. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure what question to ask other than maybe like, is there a certain type of like um, currency or, or what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you, do you hold certain currencies because of their energy and yeah. what, what do you do to like amplify your own? Yeah energy around those things yeah. uh we could literally talk about this for this topic for a day but I'll, I'll sum it up um you know carl Jung conceptualized the collective consciousness and essentially the collective consciousness is like sort of the average mask collective you know feelings about things and what that means is anything i question anything that has become mass media right words that become mass media like divorce 
as soon as you marry someone, you step into that energy of marriage. And we know in America, it's a 50% divorce rate. And so we do have the choice to step into that agreement and call it something different and choose a different word. It's the same agreement, right? If we call it life partnership, at least that's not the mass media term for it, which is marriage. And we step outside of the mass media frequency of it. There's that. That's what I would recommend for the masses. Choose your terms carefully. And any term that is a mass media term, I would I would question because you're stepping into the mass media of fear and all that stuff. For those of us and people that have a lot more practice and awareness of energy and all that stuff, let's say you've been doing this for many, many years, it doesn't matter because you can transmute it, right? You can take any word, any term, and you've had enough practice, you can just transmute that energy. Okay. So then if we apply the same principles of like, I'm just trying to get your, your like ground level knowledge yeah. on these things, relationships, mm-hmm. um, on the most basic sense, there's, once you enter this world and you start applying these like hermetic laws, mm-hmm. right? Your whole life becomes really different. Yeah. Uh, the way that everything shapes around you and the way that you see things. And like you're saying, you're, it's like, it's almost like a subconscious transmutation mm-hmm. of all the meanings of everything that happens, whether it's like, oh, I feel shame, but that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That's is not good, bad, positive, negative, or right mm-hmm. and wrong, right? It's, it just mm-hmm. is, right? I'm not even sure what question to ask here, but it's like, what are your thoughts on partnership mm-hmm. in in regards to this? Yeah. Like once you've entered this sure. world, what what's your thought? Yeah. And when you say partnership, I'm assuming you mean like intimacy partnership, not like business partnership, right? We could we could do that after. Okay. That would be great to yeah. hear after. Yeah. Um I've I've had the greatest lessons about relationships in the last two years, right? So I exited a marriage um and so i'll give you some context so um what i've realized that in the past my and most people's kpi like measure of a successful relationship is duration they're like oh you've been together for x number of years oh that's amazing you've been together for 30 years um what i realized is that through the application of these laws and really it's about harmony like vibration if you just look at vibration really the my new kpi personally is the depth of the relationship not the the duration becomes a side effect right because if we focus on duration we might end up with a little bit of tolerance which can build some resentment and all that stuff if it's about depth everything gets talked about everything gets surfaced and just like you know i said if you witness a fearful um act you want full allowance to what surfaces as the reaction and come from it from the observer. That's how I do relationships personally. Things will come up. I mean, there's things that I've said and typed. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be well received, but it is my expression. It's what wants to come up. And I, I don't believe in filtering because I believe that that thing that's coming up, even if it blows up and it's not helpful, that was supposed to happen. That was the lesson. If we constantly filter, it's constantly using, it's like having another tab open in your browser 
If you have like a thousand tabs open, your computer is not going to run efficiently. Right. And so I believe in just, some people will call it complete open communication. Uh, I mean, my girlfriend I'm with now by day two, I said to her, this was like, again, it came. So I'm going to say it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to devote myself to you for the rest of your life on day two. That's, that's what came up. Right. And so that's, that's sort of how I do relationships. Whoa. Okay. So when it comes to the interview, context is really important, right? But in relationships, maybe context is less important is what I've just heard. <laughs> yes, for sure. And, and because in interviews and things are like, you know, the, uh, the intention is for the person to the listener to deeply understand and embody right? Understand it in body. Whereas in relationships, you're just, just saying what comes like, cause you know, I'm not, I wasn't trying to educate her. I'm just expressing who I am. Right. And so, ah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that clarity. And then with business partners, business partnerships, is it the same approach? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I tell, I mean, I have a bunch of business partners in multiple businesses and they all know I will, I will call things out as I see it. And again, if I know what I'm about to say, sometimes it can be caustic. I, I preface it with sometimes a little bit of context in business because it's a little bit different, which is like, I love you. Like this is coming from absolute love. This is not like I want to fix you or, or whatever. And then I'll say whatever I'm about to say. And so in um, my role, like my actual title in, in the main company is the chief alchemist. And we have incredibly brilliant entrepreneurs that are infinitely more experienced and capable than I am. And my role at this point mostly is sensing into their beingness and their frequency, right? Their, their absolute essence and how is that impacting the business? And if there's anything that's not in quite alignment in that moment, it is my job to, to call it out. Wow. Do you do that? Is that like a, a thing that you do for businesses as well? Like, do you ever go in and help alchemize that? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So yes, um, I've had the first, what I call it, seed frequency experience uh, about four months ago. And I'll define seed frequency first. So we are constantly imbuing a certain frequency into our business, right? Now we have the conscious imbuing, which is, I don't know, the mission, the values, the strategy and all that stuff. But of course we have something called the subconscious and the subconscious without our conscious awareness, right? And we all know the subconscious runs in 90% of our lives. That's also imbuing the, the business. And so I tested this theory because I've, I've experienced this myself in my businesses. And, I've, and I muscle test to see what the consciousness level is of the, of the business. And I sense into the frequency. It's almost like um, the business takes on its own consciousness, right? Which is why you can do Akashic records for businesses because it literally is its own consciousness. And so you can start to sense into your business as if it's a person essentially. And what is the feelings and the vibration of this person? And so I tested this. And so that's what I call the C frequency. I had these two business partners come to an event. They're doing eight figures. They want to get to a billion dollars. They were stuck at eight figures. And I elicited their subconscious uh, representation of their business. And we found that one, um, there was no road ahead. And the other, there was a road ahead in the business, but it was a climb to a snow capped mountain, a very tough climb. And so 
yes, there are these incredible opportunities for people to reveal what is the subconscious because, you know, one person basically is imbuing the frequency that we, there's no option ahead. We can't grow. Well, the other says we can grow, but it's going to be very tough. Both of them didn't have that conscious awareness, of course, but that was subconsciously from a frequency perspective, imbuing it into their business. And so once we reveal that phase two was for them to literally consciously step into the business. It was fascinating. First, I had them look into the business. I said, look, imagine the business is between you two. It's a ball of light. Look at it and describe it. And it would be very left wing, like it's, you know, it's fast growth. It's abundant, blah, 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 the typical conscious stuff. Then I had to imagine going inside the light and it was a completely different experience for them. They were literally able to feel the actual frequency of, of the business. And so, yeah, I think um, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to start doing a little bit more of that for businesses because I can sense it to some of my friends' businesses that they have the highest amazing conscious intentions, but there's these subconscious things that's in their team members are imbuing the business with um, frequencies that they may not realize that's not favorable. Wow. When is that book coming out? <laughs> uh, it's interesting that you just asked a book. I literally was just on a call with, with one of my friends that he's like, oh, I have a, a process where you come to Guatemala for a month and we help you write your book. You write the book and we have a publisher to publish the book. And I was like, that sounds awesome. I've been wanting to write a book for years. So I would, I would definitely buy that book and, and promote that book. <laughs> that sounds really incredible. Like to, the all the stories and the context and I, I want to hear all the context on that idea and just yeah. and I also am like oh that translates to everything as with yeah. everything right so it's like the partnership yeah. like can you describe the partnership as a ball of light can you go into it and feel the frequency yeah. of that like whether it's romantic or, or business or anything yeah. right or friendship or a house or oh my gosh there's just so many applications for that it's so beautiful I'm gonna I'm gonna take that I'm gonna run with that really hard nice <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, I explained to people, created all kinds of different protocols for things. Everything that I do, I call it open source. There's no, I don't believe in IP. I, we are now in a time in human history where we're meant to harmonize and share and collaborate, not compete, control, and contain. So anything that anyone's listening to, obviously feel free to, to use and share however you want. Well, wow, that's incredible. I feel the same way. So... Tell me about, and without hopefully disturbing the mic too much, the necklace that you're wearing right oh. now. Yeah, so I'll pull it out real quick. So for Egypt, I had this download a couple months in once it was green lighted. What came to me was like old and new or sacred in science. And so as I felt into that, what came to me was to use the art crystals. This, there's five art crystals by Nassim here, which amplifies and intensifies energy and combine it with old technology, which these things are called selficas. So on the back, there are two different circuits. This is a wellness circuit, and this outer ring is a different circuit for increased creativity and astral projection. The front is a circuit, it's the original selfica. They're called selficas. And selficas are essentially um, shapes of either metal, or it could be in a painting, that holds energy of these higher dimensional beings that wants to support humanity, but they can't have a physical form here, but they can exert their energy onto humans through these selficus. And what's interesting is uh, they have pictures of uh, their citizens, the Dhamma throughout the world going to museums 
and there'll be like a 5,000 year old thing. It's actually a Selfica, but the museum people don't know what it is. It's literally in the same shape of Selficas as what they make now. It's literally the same. And so it's ancient technology from, from times of Atlantis. Wow. Okay. And now, now you just brought it up again. Let's do it. What's the Dama Hermians? Who Got are it. these people? <laughs> Where to start? Um, so in 1978, this guy, um, his Dama name is Falco. Um, he was a born a very spiritually gifted person and his whole life was doing all kinds of spiritual things. Um, and in 1978, he went out to seek where on planet Earth is the most spiritually dense, powerful place. And he he went all over the world only to figure out it was in his backyard. It was 45 minutes from where he was where he lived. And so it's um, 45 minutes north of Turin or Torino, and 90 minutes west of Milan in Italy. They started with just a group of people, hammer and chisel dug into this mountain in a specific spot in the mountain because the minerals there um, allows for this spiritual energy to be magnified. Now, fast forward many years later, they have eight massive indoor temples all dug by hand, no machine. Some of them are like probably seven, eight, nine thousand square feet, super high ceilings. And inside the murals and paintings and stained glass is more beautiful than than any other museum I've ever been to. More beautiful than the Louvre in, in Paris. Um, and all the images that you see tell the story of humanity and how humans and divine gods um, coexist and what's the relationship between all the gods and, and the humans. So it's this uber magical place uh, for anyone that is a seeker, I call it, wants to know a little bit more about the mysteries of our reality. I highly recommend going to Dom and Her, they are, um, they're incredible. They're, they're more educated and have more wisdom than any other source I've come across times a thousand. Wow. So that's the real life Comertage. Uh, literally. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm two years in, in their three year alchemy course. I mean, we, we learn. I have a magical staff and a magical wand that's imbued with spiritual energy that we, we use specific rituals. Like one of the rituals we did was to take the masculine energy and feminine energy out of us and then put it back in. It was one of the most incredible magical rituals ever because right for us to really feel water, to know water, we got to come out of water and go back into water. If we've only ever been in water the whole time, we don't know what water is like. And for us to really feel masculine feminine energy, incredible to take it out of you and then put it back in. And we also did that with the other elements, earth, fire, water, and air. Wow. Yeah. I have infinite questions now. <laughs> There's just, I'm getting more and more questions. I want to be respectful of our, our yeah. time and our schedule here. Let me ask mm -hmm. you as a final question, mm -hmm. is there anything really deeply kind of on your, your heart or your mind today or anything you're feeling called that you want to like a statement or, or any lesson you want to give? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've alluded to this throughout our discussion, right? Which is, um, while it's beautiful that people are seeking and people are looking to heal their traumas, I'll use some mass media words for now, and looking to break through and grow, know that as you come from this absolute wholeness, divine perfection, grace, self-acceptance and love, you can go forward with the same mechanism, the same 3D human doings, 
but with a completely different energy. And that energy is going to be acceptance and love versus not good enough, too small, fix. Uh, that would be my number one uh, message for everyone to deeply embody because it is technically the opposite message of most self-help things out there, right? Because again, for them to sell things, they must say, and they, they're powerfully using neuro-linguistic programming to program people into, into uh, the presuppositions like you're small, you're trapped, you're broken, so on and so forth. And so I'm not a huge fan of that phenomenon. So I would like people to be aware of that programming and know that you are divinely perfect exactly the way you are. It doesn't mean you don't change. You, you unfold naturally and evolve naturally like nature. Wow. Yes. So beautiful. When people completely fall in love with you, when they're listening to this or watching this, like how can they learn more or how can they get more of this Stephen Young magic? <laughs> uh, I do have a, a personal, um, I guess, website. Uh, I don't do that much, but I, there's a lot of content I put out there to, for people to consume. Uh, it's just drsteveyoung.com. And so, and I think through there, I'm sure there's ways to, to reach out to me. Or also on Facebook, if you just find me on Facebook. Wow, awesome. That's amazing. Are there any books, like if there was like a hit list of like top books you'd recommend to kind of get into this world and dive deeper onto some of the things we've talked about? What would you recommend? Like if you just rattled sure. off some yeah. names. Of course, the, the Kybillion, which is the book about the Hermetic Laws. There's, there's that. Um, I mean, really the personal, the... So I'll go, so that's like ancient, and I'll go a little sort of spiritual, like the Bhagavad Gita. I sort of read that when I was 16. Um, and then I'll go very, you know, new, technical, but one of the most underrated books ever. It's called Positive Intelligence. It's an oxymoron compared to the content because the, the entire content is about there's no positive and negative, there's no judgment, and it has nothing to do with intelligence. It's, it's really about emotions and all that stuff. And so positive intelligence, it's an incredible book where you learn um, how to let go of self-judgment. Wow. Okay. Thank you for those downloads, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. I, it's so funny because I was like 90 minutes and we're, we are 20 seconds away from 90 minutes. So I'm really cutting it to the wire yeah. here because I have just so many questions and thank you so much for, for coming on here. And I'm so glad that I made the time to do this and that you accepted the invite. And I feel like this is part one of 37. So I was just you know, about to suggest very excited. I was just about to su suggest if you want a part two, be more than happy to. Time will take it out.